You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, most gracious, ever merciful. <coughs> Good morning, welcome, assalamu alaikum, and may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all from Thursday morning breakfast show with myself, Kayyum, and joining me shortly is Brother Shahil Munir. As usual, we are here with you. We are <coughs> we, we are here with you um, with two interesting topics that we're going to be covering for the next couple of hours. We're going to start off by looking at what the newspapers are talking about. We're going to go on to our first topic at around 7.30, where we are going to be talking about space-based solar power. Is is it getting serious? Can it solve the Earth's energy woes? And after that, we're going to be talking about another interesting topic, which is based around... What is it based around? Oh, look. It is based around... <coughs> Behaviors, and it is based around, well, it's based around similar to our first topic of the morning. But before we get on to our topics, let's have a look at what the weather is saying. It is a cold and chilly morning, as always, foggy, um, very difficult to drive. It is uh, cold, um, as always, as I say, when the weather changes, you must make sure that um, you make all the relevant checks when you're leaving home in the morning. Make sure your lights are working. Make sure your fog lamps are working. Make sure you turn them on and make sure you turn them off um, at the right time. Do drive slowly. The roads are... Um, th- there's this element of when the fog settles on the road early in the morning when there isn't that much traffic. It's always better to be safe than sorry and drive slowly to wherever you're going. Leave early. Give yourself that much more time where you can reach your destination safely. And if you're actually walking or on a bike, make sure you are dressed appropriately. And the most important thing is make sure if you're on a bike, you are visible to the driver because with all the the, the lights on, it it gets... uh, And with the small lights that are on the bicycles, it is very difficult for sometimes drivers to see that uh, there is a cyclist and visibility needs to also be made sure that you are wearing um, you're wearing jackets uh, which are or you're wearing straps which uh, um, are clearly visible to the driver and for the drivers please remember you're sitting in a car which is um, you can call it it's a weapon it is a, a you know it's a two ton of of metal and the person that you're overtaking is uh, is is a human being who is not protected by anything so please do be careful um when you're driving in the dark um coming back to the topic that I was going to be telling you about that we're going to be talking in the later part of the show is the science of adolescent risk taking and influences on our behavior if you want to contribute to any of our topics we would love to hear from you it's 0208-687-7878 or you can join us on our social media platforms at voice of islam uk or feel free to email us via our website uh, www.voiceofislam.co.uk you're listening to the breakfast show on thursday morning with myself kayoum and soon to join me is brother shahil do stay tuned love to hear from you we're going to take a brief message a brief um uh, break and when we come back we're going to go on to see what the newspapers are talking about and in and trying to inform what the public should be reading in the morning Allah, Allah. 
You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Thursday Morning Breakfast Show. Let's have a look at what's the news, what the newspapers are talking about. Um, the main headline seems to be that there is a royal race row um, and the Daily Mail starts with the the meet and greet that sparked a royal disaster. My question is, how many times have you been asked, where are you from? And when somebody asks you that question, does it come across to you that that is a racist question? I come across loads of people sometimes who say to me, oh man, I was asked where I'm from. It's, uh, I, can, I can understand both sides of the argument. But uh, in this particular round, the, the Queen's lady-in-waiting, she has been forced to quit after she asked the, her charity guest, what part of Africa are you from? I mean, it is um, a, a very specific question. Um, in, in the scheme of things, in, in, you know, it shouldn't really matter where anybody is from, is there? I think that's more um, the, the, the angle that people should be taking is um, if you think somebody is doesn't look like you, that ne- question shouldn't necessarily necessary be, you know, oh, where you're from. It's irrelevant. It's why you are here in respect of the cause that you're supporting as a guest in a charity event that should be more relevant. And this is the news that has uh, been covered. That is being covered in a lot of the papers. The Mail has talk, is talking about it. The Metro is is headlining with, so where are you really from? I mean, I, I actually find these kind of sometimes questions um, amusing. I remember um, this question was, uh, in, in you know, going back 30 odd years. So, so Lenny Henry was, uh, uh, you know, whenever he gave an interview, it's a question he always um, used to get asked. And he used to turn around and look at the person and say, I'm from Dudley, because that's where he was from. So, you know, it is... Um, you know, born and bred Londoner, when people ask me that, and I say, I'm from London. Um, you know, born, bred here. Folks came here in the late 50s. My father did anyway. And uh, and, and they look at you, and then the, and the question goes on to, uh, you know, it changes tact and says, well, what I mean is, where are you originally from? Um, <clears throat> of course, um, uh, this is, uh, it, it is unacceptable. And I, and I think uh, Prince William has uh, rightly so condemned um, his godmother's uh, comments and has uh, said it's unacceptable. I hope this will be the end of it. That um, that that you know it doesn't turn into um, a, a massive uh, hoo ha over um, you know the, the royals and and the racism and 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 uh, you know the person who has um, done wrong has has been told so and has had to quit. Um, Daily Mirror is is covering the same thing. Daily Express talks about Prince William condemns godmother in palace race row. Prince William's godmother quits in a race row. I mean, it's, I mean, it's it's funny how these these newspapers, um, these newspapers kind of, you know, clearly they, the way they portray the news, it's it's you know they add fuel to fire. fire. Uh, Queen's confidant of 60 years interrogated black woman over heritage. I mean, look at the word interrogated. You ask a question, and 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 you know it's it's they use um, they use the you know, powerful words or misleading words in in an incorrect manner um, so that they can sell newspapers. Um, let's go on to what the broadsheets are saying. The Times. The Times is talking about 
heart attack patients waiting more than an hour for an ambulance. Um, this is, I mean, I mean, even though it's in the news uh, now, but uh, it's uh, it's something that uh, um, I came across a couple of a couple of weeks ago, where um, I was uh, listening to this news story about this. Uh, uh, this lady who had to wait, who was specifically told she would have to wait 55 minutes while she thought she was having a heart attack. Um, and she had to get someone else to call um, to get her to the hospital. And it, it you know, the, situ- the situation with, uh, and the, the, with the, the National Health Service and with the ambulance service at the moment is, is dire, um, to say the least. Uh, you know, I think... And the National Health Service, uh, which is a a fantastic institution, um, is being misrun, mismanaged, misgoverned for so long. Um, you know, and you know, it's it's not oh just this party or that party. It's been mismanaged for a very very long time. They need to be you know building this institution around the people who provide the service, so the nurses, the doctors, the the healthcare workers. They are the ones who need to be the focal points, and of course, most importantly, the service which is built around the patient, um, or that was the point of uh, um, the the beginning of the National Health Service. Uh, you know, they need to go back to basics instead of uh, turning NHS into a political football, um, and, uh, and 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 kind of um, you know uh, treat it with the respect that it deserves. Um, <clears throat> Again, they they also the Times also has has uh, spoken about the uh, the race row. Um, the I has talked about UK playing with fire after COVID jabs U turn. This is a warning from scientists that United Kingdom is not prepared for major COVID variant and lacks capability to make jab quickly after failing to capitalize on success in the pandemic. This is a warning by the virologists. Leading scientist Sir John Bell reveals that. Uh, Reveals planning has dramatically reversed as former vaccine chief Kate Bingham warns our jabs are not good enough. Senior Tory MP Grace uh, Greg Clark claims errors may be deliberate as row erupts. Experts believe next major pandemic could be bird flu, with UK's health security agency developing new lateral flow tests amid fears of mutation. Again, um, a very important uh, topic uh, where, you know, we, we just came out of, uh, um, you know, 18 months to 24 months of suffering, of, of isolation because of uh, because of a virus, COVID. Um, we lost, you know, the unofficial figure is, you know, over 200,000 people passed away. Um, and uh, and it, the mind boggles that um, there's still an inquiry as to what the government did. Um, but it's you know who cares when when you know, if if you're the one who's lost the loved one who cares what the government did the fact is in the fifth largest economy in the world two hundred thousand people died because of this COVID and and again like the NHS this is being turned into political football um, on both sides of the uh, you know both sides of the house on all sides of the house. Um, they need to, you know, our our, our uh, leaders need to get a grip, and and uh, kind of deal with the uh, the issues which truly do uh, affect the lives of ordinary public. The Daily Telegraph uh, is talking about again a topic which is going to be facing, <coughs> is going to be causing 
um, mayhem for, for people um, who are traveling to work, where uh, going to the hospital, um, you know, awaiting some uh, letters. Strikes on every day until Christmas. Millions face disruption as unions gear up for industrial action across the country. Again, this is, uh, you know, um, the nurses going on strike, teachers going on strike, the postal workers going on strike, rail staff going on strike. And again, yet again, and again, yeah, and I'm sure people say, yeah, well, it is part and parcel of politics, but there are certain things you just don't make, um, you, you turn into, uh, you know, a game. And all of these, uh, all, all our politicians seem to be doing, again, on both sides of the house, is... Um, looking at their political gains instead of looking to see if they can find solutions. They keep um, hurling a football of problems against each other and accusations against each other. Yet no one really, be it Conservative, be it Labour, which are the two main um, um, parties in this country, all they seem to be doing is is passing the buck around and, and uh, you know, uh, not coming up with... Uh, Workable solutions for the people. Um, the Telegraph also um, is talking about how Narendra Modi scolds Putin on G20 stage as he warns Ukraine war will lead to humanitarian crisis. Um, when I read this, I was the, the smirk on my face that Narendra Modi is scolding Putin. That's uh, a, a, you know, it's 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 a hilarious, it's a hilarious kind of. Um, um, vision in my head, but then it's when he, he when you find out what he is he being scolded for, and it's you know humanitarian reasons. Um, I will let you make your own decisions as to um, how um, how mad that sounds. Migrants could be held at Manston for up to four days. Um, channel migrants could be held at the Manston processing centre for up to. Um, 96 hours uh, under plans to, uh, you know, this is in accordance with the, the change of law that the government is proposing. The Guardian has led with um, 70% of England's water firms are is in foreign hands. Uh, this was revealed. Um, this is the headline of The Guardian. And this takes me back to, um, I think, uh, it, it uh, you know, the... Uh, the um, the critics of a lot of the Middle Eastern countries, um, you know, they, it's it's uh, they, people know people need to realize the amount of um, uh, economic assistance. I don't say investment; the economic assistance that the Middle East brings to the financial world and the infrastructure of this country um, is 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 massive. Is massive. Um, you know, just just to give a, a brief uh, um, um, a thought process that that always comes to mind, and people who are are criticizing uh, Qatar for uh, for for being Qatar, then people need to realize, you know, when you go shopping, um, and and uh, you know, a, a lot of the shopping centers like the you know the one and only Harrods, it's owned by the Qataris. Um, if you uh, you know work in uh, if if you if you trade shares um, and and uh, play the market, then the stock exchange is owned by the Qataris. Um, Barclays is partly owned by the Qataris. Uh, a lot of these leading supermarkets. I think uh, Sainsbury's has got a um, has a there's a there's a, <coughs> a 
there's a, a partnership or a, or a share base um, which is owned by the Qataris. Uh, Manchester City um, is owned by um, the Middle East and Newcastle is owned by the Middle East. Uh, more and more uh, clubs uh, are being bought by um, you know members of uh, various families across the Middle East. And the question comes to mind, if you're going to do, be doing and talking all this, are you going to be stopping um, your banking with... Um, um, with, with Barclays, are you going to be? Oh, and and our gas, I forgot. And this low, in this in this cost of living crisis, Qatar is also a provider of gas to to our nation. Are we going to be stop uh, using gas? Are we going to stop banking? Are we going to stop buying shares? Are we going to stop shopping? Are we going to stop doing loads of things where the Qataris are um, having investments? Bit bit bizarre some of the, the critics um, of, of Qatar. And, uh, you know, I'm not a football person, but uh, in, in, recent, uh, in recent days, it, it's, it, it confuses me when I, when I listen to a lot of football pundits where a lot of the giant killers, um, the likes of the Saudi Arabia, who's, who, you know, who did well, um, Tunisia did well, and when Iran was doing well, whenever these teams... Um, um, who are not expected to do well, they do do well. It's never how fantastic they have played, how the game has changed in their countries. It's always about the the superior team um, was not on form or, um, you know, the timing of the game didn't suit their need. And I, and I always find it strange that FIFA is, is an international organisation who's supposed to be promoting football around the world, when an when an athlete um, you know runs his race in the Middle East or in South America or in Africa, um, and and you know they don't complain about um, the temperatures, they make sure that they have enough adequate training that they're able to 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 compete um, in all climates, um, because that's why they are supposedly an athlete; they are professionals. And yet we have a lot of uh, Western European nations who are complaining about the times and the heat. Um, and uh, don't get me wrong, as I said, I'm not a footballer, but uh, people get paid a hell of a lot of money um, to make sure that they're in a, a, in a fit enough condition um, and, and they have enough training to, um, to, to accommodate um, um, such temperature, to play in such temperatures. Um, the Qataris have bent over backwards to 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 make sure that uh, the the stadiums are the state of the art. So in, you know, I think uh, what I would uh, say is just say thank you and and move on instead of sitting there and trying to dismantle um, a perfectly good uh, tournament and uh, kind of tr look to downgrade um, what your hosts um, have prepared for you. Um, Ministry of uh, Justice requests use of 400 police cells for for prisoners. There's a shortage of uh, um, shortage of uh, of uh, space. Um, and Dominic Raab, uh, you know, it's uh, this is uh, um, th this this goes back to again. Um, this is uh, uh, all about not having enough space. Um, um, to 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 uh, hold people um, who maybe have been accused of uh, 
um, of something or the other. And, uh, of course, um, the most immediate uh, place that the Ministry of Defence has uh, uh, kind of looks to is uh, police cells within the, the within the police and police stations that uh, that are that are remaining, and most of them have been sold off and turned into flats, um, because uh, you know policing has turned into a retail. Um, you know how many how many people in your area go on the high street and, and they see a little shop which has got police written outside it. Um, you know it, it's 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 a, making a mockery out of the police service, uh, but hopefully with the new. Um, the new the, the new head at the Met, uh, it seems like things are going to be moving forward and things are changing. So one hopes and prays that uh, things will take a better way forward. Um, the Financial Times, um, for those of you who uh, are listening out there who are finance savvy, Brussels and Yellen turn up heat on Musk over Twitter. EU insists um, on strict moderation rules. And U.S. weighs in foreign ownership review. Um, tourists shun London for Europe after end to tax-free shopping, um, claimed uh, by Mulberry. I mean, uh, of course, it is becoming that much more difficult for 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 if you if you're not uh, from the United Kingdom. Um, you know, we we seem to be shooting ourselves in the foot um, in in all instances when we are dealing with. Um, with anything with regards to that comes out of uh, um, you know anything outside of of uh, United Kingdom or shall I say London or shall I say England, um, we we seem to have lost the plot, um, and uh, you know always blaming the others instead of maybe self-reflecting and looking at our own systems and 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 seeing um, that uh, you know the the problem lies uh, within ourselves. Um, the Daily Star is got its headlines, um, where it's talking about uh, take one for the team. Fans urge TV switch to ensure three Lions win. Um, the Daily Star looks ahead to English fixture with African champion Senegal in the World Cup. The match is being shown on ITV on Sunday. The paper reports that fans are fearing the ITV. Uh, curse, whatever that is. England have won just two out of 15 World Cup matches shown on ITV since 1998. And this headline shows the state of the mindset of a lot of people where they believe in such uh, uh, such nonsense, um, if I'm allowed to say, uh, um, that, uh, you know, where a, t- a football match is being shown um, is is determining the the, the way whether a country or nation is going to be winning or losing um, a, a football match. You're listening to the breakfast show with myself, Kayum, uh, and uh, joining us is Brother Shahil. Good morning. Good afternoon. That's right. Good afternoon. Good morning. Assalamualaikum. Peace be on you, Brother Shahil. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, peace be upon you as well. Um, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to go. We are going. We are going. I am losing my words this morning. Either it's too early in the morning, or 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 is it? Um, it's maybe the age. Uh, you see, I knew you were going to say that. You oh, youngsters, sorry. you youngsters, have no right. <laughs> of, but you of know what? You 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 youngsters have no right of criticizing the no, the, the language of peace person who's of, sitting in front of, of me. Well, no, it's not that. It's <laughs> in our days when people said I'm sick, it meant I was ill. In your yeah. generation, when you say sick, it means you're not sick. 
Yeah. You're, you're <laughs> brilliant. Like, brilliant, amazing. And, and you know, <laughs> listeners, if you want to kind of come and call me and, and take my side here, that it's very difficult to understand what this younger generation is really talking about. Give us a call, 208 <laughs> or you can join us on our social media platforms at Voice of Islam UK. Going to take a quick break. When you come back, we're going to be talking about space-based solar power is getting serious. Can it solve Earth's energy woes? Do stay tuned. to the Voice of Islam Radio. كلمتان حبيبتان إلى الرحمن خفيفتان على اللسان ثقيلتان في الميزان سبحان الله وبحمده سبحان الله العظيم. There are two expressions which are very dear to Allah the Gracious. They are light on the tongue easy to say, but are much heavy in the scales of Allah. These are, exalted is Allah with all his glory, exalted is Allah with all his majesty. Al-Jabbar The compeller, the one who completes that which is incomplete, and who has the ability to make people do what he wants. Holy is he, when he decrees a thing, he says to it, Be, and it comes into being. La ilaha illallah, You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Thursday Morning Breakfast Show with myself, Kayyub, and Brother Shahil. Um, on to our first topic of the morning, which is space-based solar power is getting serious. Can it solve Earth's energy woes? Um, this is a, a story which uh, appeared late last month in, uh, where in Munich. Engineers at the European aerospace firm Aerobus showed off what might be the future of clean energy. Um, I'm sure all of our listeners uh, will be aware, um, and and you know everyone is is that's what everyone's talking about. This is a topic of, I think, of the decade, um, for the decade gone and the decade coming, um, which is clean energy. So basically, um, Airbus collected sunlight with solar panels, transformed it into microwaves, and beamed the energy across an aircraft hangar, where it was turned back to electricity. That, among other things, lit up a model of a city. 
The demo delivered just 12 kilowatts over 36 meters, but it raised a serious question. Is it time to resurrect a scheme long derided as science fiction and launch giant satellites to collect solar energy in space? In a high orbit, liberated from clouds and nighttime, they could generate power 24 hours a day and beam it down to Earth. So, Brother Shahil, why is there an urgent need for green energy? Let's kind of do a recap here. So, <clears throat> as you know, renewable energy comes from naturally occurring and virtually inexhaustible sources, such as the sun, wind, water, and plants. <coughs> Sorry for my voice. So, any energy source deemed renewable cannot be used up or depleted, and it must be renewed frequently and naturally. So, green energy is actually a subset of renewables representing the most environmentally beneficial resource. So, this includes solar energy, wind energy, biomass energy, biogas energy, geoth um, yeah, so basically all of these. And uh, of course, it is uh, important for the environment as well, as it replaces the negative effects of fossil fuels with more environmentally friendly alternatives. So, derived from natural resources, green energy is also often renewable and clean, meaning that they emit no or few greenhouse gases and are often readily available. So, um, cheap electricity from renewable sources could provide 65% of the world's total electricity supply by 2030. It could decarbonize 90% of the power sector by 2050, massively cutting carbon emissions and helping to mitigate climate change. So, this is actually good news as well. It's challenging climate change as well. And... Uh, Dealers' renewable energy lowers your carbon footprint and reduces harmful air pollution, which increases the air quality in urban areas and reduces the risk of health issues such as lung damage, which is also very good. So, green energy sources also use less water. Almost all energy sources need lots of water at some point to operate. Traditional Electricity, such as coal, natural gas, or nuclear energy, is generated by heating up water and creating steam to <coughs> turn turbines. For coal and natural gas electricity generation, both require approximately 60,000 gallons of water. So, wind um, do not need water to generate electricity. Occasionally, solar panels need clean cleaning and washing, but that's only 20 gallons, according to the Solar Energy Industry Association. So, for comparison, a typical family uses about 20 gallons of water each year. Now, additionally, while hydropower relies on water, electricity is created through the falling of or flow of water from a river, dam, or steam, as opposed to the generation of steam through burning materials. Now, there is a climate emergency because our climate is changing faster than nat nature can adapt to it, including us. So we have limited time to keep global temperatures within the limit that the Earth can recover from. So we have to take action now. So the climate is the long-term pattern of day-to-day -day weather. So a report finds the past seven years are on the track to be the seven warmest on record, based on the data for the first nine months of 2021. Hold that thought. Uh, well, I want you... Well, I'm not really. Okay. I want you to say all of that again. Right, okay. Explain it to me. Right, but before instead of you explaining it to me, I'm going to go to a person who will be able to explain oh, it to me, who knows what he's talking about. We're going to go okay. and talk to our first <laughs> guest of the morning. We have with us Martin 
Soltau, please forgive me if I, uh, or correct me if I mispronounce your name. Martin is a highly experienced business and engineering leader in the aerospace sector. He directed the recent UK government study into the viability of space solar power as a new energy technology which could help the UK deliver net zero. He established and co-chairs the Space Energy Initiative, a collaboration of UK space and energy organisations seeking to take forward the development of space-based solar power. He is co-CEO of Space Solar Limited and also leads the space business for Fraser Nash Consultancy in the UK. Welcome, good morning, Assalamualaikum, and peace be on you, Martin. Good morning. Great to be with you. Thank you so much for taking time out in the morning, sir. Um, Martin, how is how is your company, Space Solar, contributing to an and in an attempt to bring the UK to net zero? And what is your role in the company? And before you do that, just for the benefit of our listener, what is net zero? Yes, so um, I, th- I think you gave a really good introduction to the importance of moving to decarbonise our economies, to reduce greenhouse uh, gases and, uh, and, and, the gre- and, and global warming. It's really uh, net zero is the target of, of reducing carbon emissions to a net zero. And the, the main source of those is the energy that we uh, produce and we need for all of our, our, our civilised way of life mm-hmm. globally. And that's an incredibly challenging project for humanity. But it's really important um, for all the reasons you, you, you've just uh, set out. And our current te- energy technologies, particularly wind and, and ground solar, uh, are intermittent. Um, and, and we need these new forms of, of energy, uh, baseload energy, which can provide energy all the time to complement those uh, the wind and solar, the intermittent forms. Now, you you mentioned alternative energies. I mean, uh, in 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 recent days, there's been this massive debate on onshore, offshore. I, is that also part and parcel of the solution, or uh, that that our politicians are kind of political footballing over? Uh, well, I, th- I think it is. I think we need all of these energy sources. So in the UK, we have nuclear uh, on, on an onshore and offshore wind, uh, solar, a little bit of uh, hydro energy. Um, but the energy security is, is vitally important, and that's about it being affordable for, for, for people uh, um, as well as reliable and dependent. Hmm. And affordable energy is absolutely underpins the quality of life for, 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 for people, and particularly in, in, in poorer countries and nations. Um, you know, there are two billion people around the world who don't have access to any electricity at all. Um, so, 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 sorry, go on. So, I, I agree with you from the costing point of view, because when one looks at, you know, when we're talking about satellites and we're talking about getting energy from another planet or, or, or outside of... of of, of you know our normal uh, sources, you think this is going to be costing a lot of money, and this is going to be only available to uh, the, the, the the a very small sector of society. So, could you please give us a brief description of how yeah. the solar power satellite system how how would it work? Yes. So, so um, space-based solar power is the uh, long uh, kind of held idea of putting very large solar panels, satellites, 
up into a high Earth orbit where they can see the sun for the whole um, 24 hours every day. And so uh, you collect the solar energy, you convert it to high-frequency radio waves and beam it down to a ground-based receiver uh, where it's collected, trans um, transformed back into DC electricity and then through an inverter into the grid. And, and in this way, you can get all the benefits of solar energy we have on the Earth, but it's 24-7. So it, 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 it's not affected by nighttime, it's not affected by the atmosphere or weather. Uh, and, and this means you can have this completely clean energy, but also baseload, which is absolutely fundamental for, for, for the grid. Um, and, and there are other huge benefits as well. Um, it, it's a, it, it, it's a, what's happened recently over the last five or six years is that whilst it's previously been uh, considered way too expensive, the cost of launching satellites has come down by 90% thanks to reusable rockets. And so now uh, three recent independent studies have shown that space-based solar power is, is not only technically viable, but it's economically affordable. And, and, and you, 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 you raise the point about cost. It's got to be affordable, um, not just um, a, a high-priced energy. Interesting. Um, Martin, um, as Guillaume just has mentioned, that last month's moon energies... Um, have collected sunlight with solar panels, transformed it into microwaves, and beamed the energy down to the Earth. So I just want to know if this is basically safe for the Earth and for us as well. Oh, yes, it, 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 it has to be safe. Um, it's an uh, absolute prerequisite of any new technology. And um, the, the, the microwave beam is actually low power density. So it's about... At, the, at its peak, it's about just a quarter of the intensity of the, the, the sun at, at midday um, in, in, on the equator. So um, it, 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 um, it has to be uh, regulated to be within the current microwave um, safe limits. Uh, and and we, we believe that it, um, it, 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 it can be um, regulated to be safe uh, through both positioning these ground rectennas, they would probably be sited offshore in a country like the UK, um, perhaps adjacent to wind farms. Um, you, you wouldn't put them near centres of population, even though the power densities are, are relatively low. Mm, interesting. So, uh, Martin, um, what are some of the major challenges associated with developing space-based solar power and is it a viable method, both technically and economically? Uh, y yes, we, we, the, these three independent studies confirm that it is mm -hmm. viable. Um, there are, there are uh, major challenges to overcome, but they, are, um, they're all, they all have solutions. And I think the, the key ones are not what you might expect. Um, they're not so much technical challenges, but... Um, we need new international regulations to make um, it possible to develop space-based solar power in a sustainable and responsible way. We're talking about putting these very large satellites up into the orbit, mm -hmm. with, um, a, which, which will need a lot of rocket launches to, 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 to put them up. And we'll need the um, 
the spectrum, the 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 agreement on uh, use of the electromagnetic spectrum at the right frequencies to 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 beam these um, to to operate these things. So there's a lot of negotiation got to got to go on with the international regulators, mm-hmm. and that all takes time. And and as your um, introduction set out, we mm-hmm. we're, we're trying to develop these new technologies in in time to make a difference for sort of net zero 2050 timescales. So that's that's one uh, important thing. They will, um, we have uh, already great advances in uh, in in-orbit robotics and assembly of structures. That's um, a key factor. These these satellites are like no other. They they're comprised of many hundreds of thousands of uh, small modules, each, each with the ability to collect the solar energy, convert it, and transmit it down to Earth. And they're clipped together like uh, a perhaps a sort of a, a Lego model in, in in a way, assembled by autonomous robotics. Uh, and so, whilst all of these technologies have been developed on, on, on Earth at small scale, scaling it up uh, into and, and, and assembling these, these huge satellites in, in orbit hasn't been done before. And, and that's probably the, the, the big challenge. Martin, you just mentioned uh, Net Zero. Um, is there any other way you're looking for to challenge Net Zero as well? And I know it's maybe too soon to ask, but is there any where we can say that in the next maybe five or ten years we will have some technology where we really can say that we right now we are challenging net zero. Well, um, it, it, it's all about net zero. Is, is, is the, the technologies that really going to make a difference are the energy generation technologies. Um, so, um, if there are lots of good technologies. That, that are in development, things like um, battery storage um, and, and a range of other schemes. But they have to be scalable and they have to be commercial. So they have to deliver energy uh, at, at affordable price so that people can, can have a good quality of life. And thirdly, they must be environmentally properly sustainable, i.e. they can't take up um, large amounts of uh, rare earth minerals and resources, natural resources. And this is where space-based solar power is, is, looks really attractive. Mm. It has a very low environmental footprint. Um, it, it is very scalable. You could, you could um, in principle, um, power a, a very substantial portion of the global uh, electricity needs in 2050. Um, and, and it's going to be affordable. Mm. The that the independent studies show that the cost of the energy, the levelized cost of energy, is comparable or lower than um, our current intermittent technologies, and yet this is um, baseload. And, and I'd say one, one other thing. Um, energy resources are, are, are always um, or often a, a source of global conflict. Um, look at look at um, conflicts in the mm. Middle East and so forth. And space-based solar power has a, a unique um, ability to transmit the energy to different nations because you can you can beam it to wherever there's a cooperating rectenna. 
and so we can we can send power to nations that don't have natural resources natural energy resources so it it can be a very equitable um, technology which could could really transform our world for the better uh, Martin you mentioned um, um, sending beams of microwave um, our, uh, we've received a question. In fact, it's one of our brother engineers um, in the tech um, office, uh, Brother Zishan. He has asked, will these microwave uh, um, uh, energy that you're talking about have any side effect on the environment in the future? Um, we don't believe so. It, all of these things, environmental and safety aspects, need really rigorous and proper study. And, and any technology like this needs to be um, properly regulated. Um, but um, we've, there have been various studies by, by NASA and, and others, uh, and so we don't believe there are uh, any, uh, a, a, any um, uh, negative effects of, of um, the, the microwave beaming. Um, I think the the important thing in terms of environmental effects, I think um, the important things that we're going to be looking at are, are there any impacts um, in the atmosphere, and particularly in the upper atmosphere? Um, but we don't think so at these comparatively low energy density levels. And um, is it really safe in, in terms of the biota? And again, there have been a number of studies um, that, that suggested is, it is perfectly safe. But it all needs proper study and regulation. Wonderful. Uh, Martin Soltau, thank you so much for taking time out this morning and answering our questions in such a comprehensive manner. I wish you a fantastic day ahead, sir. May peace be with you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Um, this is interesting what Martin just said. And uh, it's actually very good to know that um, there are some people who are looking and for the environment as well to challenge climate change, net zero, etc. Um, do you, you know, you asked me to say everything again. No, I was just joking. Yeah, I was uh, only joking. But I, I was preparing everything. I know you were. Look at just, just actually this time I wanted to sing it for you. Really, to sing it for me? Yeah. I don't want you singing on Voice of Islam. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're on the wrong radio station. All you right. took a wrong turn coming <laughs> here this morning. But what I do want you to tell me is yes, please. We are a voice of Islam. Yes. Looking after our planet. Of course. Um, is part and parcel of the responsibility that has been given to us as human beings by God Almighty. Right, yes. What's the Islamic perspective? So God has said that we are guardians of this earth. Everyone who's living in this planet, on this planet is a guardian of this planet and needs to look after that planet. And the best way to do that is basically to listen to the founder of Islam, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And he, sa he started with a simple thing. He said, when, you, when you're walking on the street and if you see something hurtful, just remove it or throw it away. And this is kind of a charity as well. So basically, he started at, like, look at your environment, look at your society. If you see something lying on the street, take it and dump it in a bin. As he said, that sa um, sorry, not safety, but um, cleanliness is part of your faith. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he was someone who would look after his environment as well, and he would tell his companion as well, and even, not even the, uh, the environment, but also looking after the nature as well. Uh, he, uh, he will tell that whoever plants a tree is a charity as well. And he said that, plant, uh, he said even the benefits of having one tree, he said so many animals would take benefit from that as well. And we are taking benefit, uh, although we're not animals, but we are taking a benefit from one tree as well. And 
So he said, this is how he basically explained and he motivated his companions that look look after your environment, go and even then, our caliphs they told us how to live um, in this new area, new day and age. Saying like I remember, I was reading the th- the third caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim community, the Mizan Nasser Ahmed. He said that um, why taking a car for a short uh, journey if you can go by yourself or if you can take bicycle, and uh, even uh, you know the current head of the Muslim community, may Allah be helper. He said once to me that when he was in Holland, he would use to ride a bicycle every day for forty-five minutes, and you know how healthy riding bicycle actually is. So. Islam is basically giving us guidance how to look after the environment, how to look after the nature, how to look after animals, how to look after the whole planet. And uh, here, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, and that's very an interesting fact, dear listeners, that whenever we open a new mosque or where we open a new uh, community of our uh, uh, community centers, the first thing we do is, of course, we tr- uh, first we call the mayor, we try to have... Um, we invite all of our neighbors and the dignitaries exactly, uh, within and the local we area. And then plant a tree. Yep. And planting a tree is basically practice of the prophet, peace be upon him, or he, teaching of him, where he actually told us to do that. And the reason is that while having uh, while opening a com- uh, community center, we also are looking for the environment and for the uh, well-being of our neighbors. So this is an, um, a sign of peace, but also a sign of to safeguard not only the society but the whole planet. So Islam is basically a religion. I would say Islam is basically telling us or giving us guidance how to look after the planet. As I said again, we are guardians of 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 the galaxy. We are guardians of the planet. Of this I, I apologize for my brother, my <laughs> young brother. But <laughs> uh, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave you to hold that thought because we are coming up to the hour. Yes. We will come back to this after the news. You're listening to Breakfast Show with myself, Kiyum, and my young brother Shahil, who is the guardian of the galaxy. <laughs> and uh, um, if you want to contribute to any of our topics, it's oh two oh eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. And we would love to hear from you, um, or you can join us on our social media platforms at Voice of Islam UK. We're going to take a quick break, go to the news, and when we come back, we're going to carry on our discussion. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. Welcome back to Thursday Morning Breakfast Show with myself, Kayyum, and joining me is my young guardian of the galaxy, Brother Murabi Shahil Munir. Um, We were discussing uh, before the break... um, uh, the Islamic perspective, um, and, and, I, and you know, even though I say that word, I hate it. I don't like using that word right. because Islam is a way of life. Everything has Islam in True. it. So everything in life is got an Islamic perspective. It's you know, the world, the life that we live is in accordance with the Islamic beliefs. But you know, in the break, we were talking about you know, if it, we are talking about the environment and the effects. I mean, looking outside that window, um, you know, that building next door to us um, is covered. Um, you can hardly see anything the structure because of the thickness of the fog and 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 you know not breaking away from the topic of going on a tangent every time I see fog like this uh, my my first thought is to road users um and, and you know I started the show with with uh, uh, requesting everybody to make sure please 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 and may God keep everybody safe do 
um, do drive that much more slower because of the density of the fog that I can see out there. Um, you will not be able to see pedestrians. You will not be able to see cyclists. Um, you will not be able to see people. Um, um, and and uh, you know it is it, it is better that you drive slow. It's better if you get to your destination late instead of rushing. Or the solution, of course, would be to leave early. But if you are stuck out there in 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 the in the jam because of the fog, do please be patient and tune in to Voice of Islam Breakfast Show with myself, Kayum, and Brother Shahel. Um, before we carry on our conversation, let's go and listen to a little audio clip of the fourth caliph of the Amni Muslim community, Hazrat Mr. Tahir Ahmed. Um, may Allah have mercy on his soul and what he had to say on this topic. To impress the importance of this, because Ahadur Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam enjoined upon people if one tree is removed, ten more trees should be grown. So if this injection of Wasallam was carried out by the Muslims, there will be no need of any deforestation at all. And in Pakistan, unfortunately, some areas are completely deforested, totally deforested, in Hazar district, etc., there are beautiful jungles full of different trees, but now for the sake of uh, stealing wood, they have been deforested and uh, become barren. With the result that there is no rain anymore. And people forget that uh, it is a forest which demand rain from heaven, as if in, in, in reality the more forests there are, more rain will fall upon those forested areas. So because there is no rain, there is no forest, there will be no rain and uh, hills have become totally barren. It's a pity to wash those hills and a movement, a pan-Islamic movement should be, uh, should be launched based on the traditions of Wasallam. There we had uh, the fourth caliph of the Amni Muslim community, Hazrat Mr. Tahir Ahmed, may Allah have mercy on his soul. Um, and again, re- kind of, you know, some of the things that we have learned and, and Brother Shahil referred to it earlier, um, the importance of planting, planting trees. And um, that is that is something that has been emphasised not just by uh, all the previous caliphs, um, but uh, His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmed the fourth, the fifth caliph of the Promised Messiah and the head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. May Allah, um, may Allah be his helper. May Allah be his helper. Thank you, brother. Um, may Allah be his helper. Uh, has in fact kind of reinforced um, this 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 uh, uh, um, this scheme of tree planting um, again and again and again. Um, uh, every time that he has spoken about climate change and and the helping um, the environment um, and whenever we talk about sustainability, whenever we talk about all this green environmental stuff, which is uh, our responsibility as human beings, going back to what Brother Shahil said, that uh, we are guardians of the, 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 you know, the beautiful earth that God has given us. Um, and, in, and, you know, th- there's been enough abuse of it. Mm. Now it's a question of how um, we kind of 
remedy and correct the damage that we have done to this um, to, to, to this beautiful planet. And of course, um, this, these remedies that we talk about are are uh, everyday practices within the beautiful religion of Islam. And this is what we were talking about before uh, we went to a break. And uh, you know, Brother Shahil, um, you kind of. Uh, coming back to you is, is you know can you kind of elaborate the thing is you know Islam is telling us to be more active as well by ourselves yes like look for your health and this is because on if for example if you go for a short if you want to go somewhere um, let's just say from home to office uh, people I know using their bicycles as well Mm. Which is good as well. Or if you going for another short uh, destination, like for example, you're going to the post office or to any market, go. Don't use a car. Go by yourself. Mm. So there are many, many ways. But Islam basically encourages us to stay healthy, and um, but while stay healthy, also telling us to look for the environment as well. As I tell, told you before that when if you if you're walking, if you see anything hurtful, just remove it from your way. Basically, just dump it in a bin. Um, but it's also telling us that um, uh, basically, you know, Islam. Now this is very interesting. I was reading recently. This came this came into my mind that you know the second caliph of Islam. He was telling. Uh, As Umar. Uh, so, so it's the second caliph of the Muslim community. He explained uh, from this verse uh, where Allah tells us, He hath constrained the night and the day and the sun and the moon to be of service unto you. This is from chapter 12, uh, 13. Now, he was saying that uh, he, he has noticed, for example, he was giving one example, he has noticed that uh, the lunar eclipse, for example, can be very hurtful for a person, for a woman who's pregnant, or for the child who is in her belly. He said he has noticed it. He's not saying that it could be possibly maybe right, but he said he has noticed that um, this, uh, that it uh, sometimes when it happened was hurtful. That he com- became complaints uh, from a pregnant woman that this happened during that moon eclipse, etc. So he has realized how basically the sun and the moon and the stars are basically there for our service as well. We know that we are taking benefit from the sun. Um, Not only us, uh, we have animals, we have plants. They are taking benefit from that as well. But in the same time, we, when it's nighttime, we take benefit from the stars as well, from the moon as well. So you see that the sun is in the center and around the sun, we see the, all the other planets going around the sun. And every planet, and it's very interesting, uh, God has made a system that everyone, every planet is taking benefit from the sun and according to its need. So this is how basically uh, the servers and the sun is basically helping us. And interesting fact is that when you read out about Indianism in Munich, that they have found out this thing or that they have been able to um, bring beams down to the earth. I mean, this is something Allah has mentioned already in the Holy Quran 1,500 years ago that this is possible in this event that this is, they are basically there to serve us and take good need or to good benefit from it. So the Muslim Italano, the second caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim community, he has basically very wonderful explained it. And um, then, of course, I remember that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, even during wars, unfortunately, he had to go for war to defend himself, to defend the Jews, the Christian, and to people from other beliefs from the enemy. 
So he told his companions to prepare themselves to go for war. And but he made some rules. He said not to kill any woman, not to kill any child, and not to cut out a tree. Now you see nowadays we have this problem because we have unfortunately war in every part of the world right now. Yes, we, we are talking about Ukraine and Russia, but we know that war is happening in different parts of the area, unfortunately as well. And during a war, you just don't look for the environment. You just destroy everything that is in front of you. Unfortunately, people are killed. Trees are destroyed as well. Plants are destroyed as well. But the, he, the Holy Prophet, peace upon him, he gave some rules to to his companion, telling him, telling them that, listen, you're not allowed to kill any woman. You're not allowed to kill any child. You're not allowed to c cut any trees. You're not allowed to destroy any place of worship, etc. And this rules, and this is very interesting, how... how Amazing it is that even during the war, during the most difficult times, he was telling them, advising them how to behave and how to help and uh, to make this environment even better. That, you, that the enemy is basically attacking you, but you make sure that you don't destroy anything which is very, could be very beneficial for the whole planet, like a tree. No, this is basically how the Holy Prophet, peace upon him, he has shaped his companions, uh, his fellowship, and this is how he's still shaping us as well. That how we should look after, why it is important to look after everything and for, for our, our mind. So, nowhere is there more evident than that in the case of solar energy. So, in fact, you know, a big number of the Muslim countries where sunny days are abundant, the sun is the ideal renewable energy source of the future. The manner by which the sun provides energy to the earth and the non polluting nature of that energy are key factors in its popularity in some Muslim nations. And the listeners, this is very interesting as well. If you talk about, uh, because I'm talking about history, I'm talking about Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. The another fact is also in regards of history. So the history of large-scale solar energy used dates back to the Muslim world as well when the American inventor Frank Schumann built the world's first solar power station in Mahdi. In, this is in Cairo, it's a place in South Cairo. In Egypt, and this happened between uh, 1912 to 1930, 13. So, like everything else, energy is part of Allah's creation. As I just mentioned the verse before, I just mentioned how the uh, the second caliph of the Muslim community explained this as well, that we are taking benefit from the sun and from the moon and from the stars, and we need these things. Without them, um, we will get sick. So we need these things, and they are there for our service. So the Quran encourages people to look intensely at Allah's creation and learn how to use it properly. The, the sun is the most potent source of energy, heat, and light for the earth. So um, Allah is saying, for example, in chapter uh, 78, verse 12, that did we not build seven strong heavens above you and make a blazing lamp? So the, the number seven is... Uh, uh, it's very interesting how Islam has used the number seven. For example, that Allah has built the earth in seven days, or that there are might, um, or even if, if you look at the first chapter of the Holy Quran, it has seven verses, and then that we might have seven um, um, uh, solar systems, etc. So the number seven is very interesting, but what more interesting is that. Allah has told us 1,500... Now, this is... You need to understand that a person who never went to school, right, who lived his whole life in the desert, 
telling, uh, explaining his companions that you know the sun, you know the moon, you know the stars are basically helping you as well. That you take benefits from that, that you take vitamin D from the sun, and this is good for your body, etc. Now, would you imagine that from a person 1,500 years ago, you never went to school because these things were just found out now, let's say maybe 300, 400 years ago. So, the interesting fact is that Allah somehow told the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that this, this, and this, and this, what I just made, is not just there for, it's not, it's not useless, it is very, very helpful for you. So, Islam has explained everything that what we have made, we have made it for us, for the, for the creation, and we should take benefit from it as well. But why taking benefit from it? Allah and the Prophet, peace be upon him, has also told us that we should look after the environment as well. That we should make sure that we don't hurt or destroyed any kind of this environment which could be beneficial for any animal for, or for any human beings. So Islam is all about looking after and making sure the environment and the earth is healthy and good but also telling us that go and take benefit from the sun, from the moon and from the stars. There are many many vitamins we can take from the sun and from the moon and from the stars as well. So this is basically how Allah has made these things and this is how they are basically helpful for us and this is why we need them as well. Awesome. Thank you so much uh, for that, uh, young man. Uh, we're going to take a very quick break. Um, when we come back, we're going to go on to our second topic of the morning, which is the science of adolescent risk-taking and influences on behavior. We would love to hear from you. It's 0208-687-7878 or join us on our social media platforms at Voice of Islam UK or email us via our website www.voiceofislam.co.uk. Do stay tuned, grab yourself a cup of coffee, get some breakfast. And while you're at it, send me some and uh, let me know what you're having. Um, and uh, in the meantime, we're going to listen to some brief messages before we come back on and start our topic, second topic of the morning. Do stay tuned. Our jihad is not a jihad of swords, guns, or bombs. Our jihad is not a jihad of cruelty, brutality, and injustice. Rather, our jihad is of love, mercy, and compassion. Our jihad is of tolerance, justice, and human sympathy. Our jihad is to fulfill the rights of God Almighty and of His creation. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمدا
You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Thursday morning breakfast show with myself, Kayum, and brother Shahil. It is, it is the 1st of December. I completely forgot at the beginning of the show. It's the 1st of December. It's the last month of the year. And for me, it's like the year that started. Yeah, I know. Where, where, did, where, did, where did 2022 go? I don't know. I where did 2021 go? Oh, actually, where did 2020 go? Well, where did the past two years go? Three uh, years. I don't know. 20, 21, 22. Three years have gone by. COVID, COVID happened three years ago. Amazing, isn't it? Happened two years ago, and Time we spent. Flies. Like how many? How much? How many years did we spend in our houses? Two, two one half. What? Like during lockdown? How 18, 18 months. 18 Ish. Months, yeah, one half. So. Crazy. Well, it's amazing. Like I just realize that I have like missed all these three years it is it is absolute madness um, like I was sleeping all the time I just woke up and I'm sitting in front of you I can say something and I won't it's no I'm just saying like, I'm happy in front of you are you awake now <laughs> <laughs> are I, you hello are you awake yeah, now okay awake. we are going on to our second topic of the morning the science of adolescent risk taking and influences on behavior. Basically, the gist of the story is that there are bio, behavioral, and psychological perspectives on adolescent risk behavior alluded repeatedly to the importance of the cultural and social context in which young people develop. This research describes the way family, peers, schools, communities, and media and technology influences adolescent behavior and risk-taking. Um, you're the younger generation. Mm -hmm. Do you think your generation takes more risks? Compared to maybe your parents' generation? I think so, yeah. Why? Um, Do you think it's the need of the time? Do you think it's sheep mentality, everyone's doing it, that we should do it? Or do, do you think you actually get a, a favorable return? I think the first two. Mm -hmm. Not for the return, but I think because of the time and because everyone is doing so, so you want to do it as well. So as you know, I think that when the times develops new environments, a new technology you try to use them and it brings more ways and of course when with more ways with new, new ways you take more risk as well hmm. and uh, then because you want to be a part of a gang etc and if everyone is doing it you will do it as well if if you see in the television oh okay you know he has done it I need to do it as well it, isn't that cheap mentality it is it is basically it is, it is because then in that moment because you blindly follow these people and you just forgot that you have some mentality as well you should think for yourself as well but you, you won't even though if it comes into your mind you're not ready you, but people are not ready to take that moment they just want to be cool or yeah let's say they want to be cool you know mm. that's the thing they all, always want to be cool because they think if you are cool people will like you and then uh, you have friends etc but these are not real friends and they, they just want to push you to do more of these Sometimes stupid things as well, which are very really risky as well. And I think social media is playing a big role in that as well. 
I, I agree with you. I mean, especially with this influencers and, and, and all these. But I know that it's easy for me to sit here and say your generation. But there's also a very, I would say, more uh, uh, responsible um, role and duty of the parent. It is. To not um, kind of become an influencer in respect of manipulating the need of the child, but to be, to guide them. That guidance seems to have not disappeared, but it's it's like parents have also become the victim of the same oh, social, media, social media, the, the, the sheep mentality. The thing is that um, recently in social media, I was uh, reading a, a post. Someone posted, someone asked a question, who do you like more? And then he showed a picture of a woman mm -hmm. playing, this is your mother, father, none of them, or money. Now, interesting is that, uh, okay, a lot of people took mother, few took father, but there are also a lot of people who took none of them, and then there are also a big number who took money. Mm. That's right. So then I thought, okay, why not taking parents? Why not taking mother and father? And uh, that just reminded me that I had a class fellow who really ha hated his father because his father would hate him or would abuse him verbally but also sometimes physically. And uh, this changed his personality as well. Um, you could see that, that he would be aggressive as well. He would basically do the same thing what his father would do as well. Even though he would say, I won't be, him like, won't be like him, but somehow he would be aggressive as well. Even though he tried not to be, but he would. So parents are playing a big role on of always. But now, the, as you mentioned, the bigger challenge is social media. And um, sometimes parents are also influenced by social media. Think, okay, you know what? If, for example, there are two ways. One way is they want to be same as the influencer, uh, which influencing the child, or they looking on social media, finding new ways, and then by looking those ways, they are getting also following that particular person as well, which is the cheap mentality, basically doing the same thing what he's telling you or she's telling you to do, which is basically sometimes not even helpful. And so in, um, parents sometimes are getting victims or becoming victims of social media as well. But also I'm saying, you know, um, Sharif, oh sorry, can you? <gasps> sorry for that. But this is very interesting what Go I'm saying. Go back to the galaxy. All right. Well, when I was a child, uh, I had the opportunity to have, uh, sit on a meeting with uh, with the fourth caliph, may Allah have mercy on his soul. And uh, s uh, someone asked uh, His Holiness a question. And uh, Hazur was listening to his question. And when he finished his question, the caliph, he asked him a different question. He said, in your school, are you sitting next to an atheist? And he said, yes. But um, I'm not talking to him. And even though you couldn't see anything uh, like on him that he is becoming an ATS executor, but Hazu said that you should still change your seat. He said it's not because the ATS is an ATS, it is because his character is not an okay. He said, like, um, look for someone who has a good character. Basically, meaning that he has some bad thought, maybe. Or I'm not, I'm not saying that ATS are wrong. He's saying the character of that particular person was not on fine. For you to change your seat, because even though you're not talking to him, he still has an influence on you as well. 
So we have mobile. So, so this goes back to you know it is a parental responsibility to ensure that they are aware of the the company that you keep. Yes, but this is very difficult. I'm explain like we have our this environment like we have our mobile phone in our pocket every day. Even though we sit in a um, living room, not using our mobiles, but social media is still there around us. And parents' responsibility is to make sure that they they have the influence on the child instead of social media having the influence on them. Mm. This is what Hazu has basically explained in that moment as well, and this is still happening. We have uh, social media. We bring social media into our house. We have social media even though every time in our pocket. So best thing for parents is to be a role model, putting their mobiles away for a while, telling the children to do the same, and talking to each other. Yes, making... Um, uh, this, uh, taking benefit of the situation then talking to each other speaking to each other to entertain each other by themselves playing games for example anything could be very beneficial so this is basically what we can do and this is basically what and this is amazing how the fourth caliph may I have mercy on his soul has explained this to that young lad at that time as well now, I mean, we are talking about uh, influencing and, of course, the role of the parent and role of the teachers and the role of society within the influencing. But the influence of family um, on behavior of children. So in the study, um, um, it highlights that economic situation, degree of warmth in a parent's behavior, of course, sign of the times. We are going through a cost of living crisis. Um, and, you know, the degree of warmth in parents' behavior and the softness in, in how you are talking and discussing and raising issues with your children, how you're communicating with your children. You alluded to as well the strength of relationship with your parents and the consistency of parental monitoring can all have effects on children and their decision-making in the present and most seriously in the future. And the present is, is the key because in, nowadays I, I sometimes think, it's the child who is kind of parenting the parent. Sometimes it is. It, it, because, and, and then the parent are allowing their children to kind of take the lead because they seem to think that, oh, they are more technologically, uh, um, more knowledgeable, they're more aware of what is happening out there, so probably they know better than, than, than themselves. But whereas they should be thinking, well, as a parent, it is my responsibility to make sure that I am aware of what's happening outside mm-hmm. in the world. Because uh, because of, if, if a 17-year-old uh, will only know what a 17-year-old would be interested in. The thing is, um, I remember that um, in Germany, we had a German convert who was a missionary as well. His name was Haddad Ola Hipshi. He unfortunately passed away f- uh, like, like almost, almost 10 years ago. He would use to read those magazines which were for youngsters. And the reason is, so you only to know what a 17 years old person is thinking. And he would learn that from those magazines, and then he would understand the mind of those 17 years old people, uh, youngsters as well. So this is one way to inter- uh, interfere with the mind of, you, of the children that um, read the magazines. Um, nowadays, you know, p- uh, children, um, youngsters are... Most of them I know are playing FIFA. They're playing PlayStation. They're watching animes. These are the Japanese think, cartoons. The thing is, playing PlayStation, playing um, you know football games, or, or 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 spending some time on game. 
I'm not going to say that's wrong because no, I do no, that. I do that. Not, I do that. It's not wrong. But, uh, but, I, but, I, but I did it with my children. But yes, exactly. This is the thing. Then you are getting involved with your children and the child will realize, oh, my father is actually cool as well. Yes. And he can trust you a few things as well. You know, um, his holiness, may I just help her. A lot of young parents came to him. They have asked him that I'm becoming father, a mother soon, inshallah. What should I do? How should I be... Um, a good father and he said first of all be a good role model secondly be a friend of your child as well and this is how you can become a friend don't tell him that oh, I don't know how to use whatsapp go do and do it by yourself try to find a way how to use whatsapp try to find a way to how to use your iphone instead of asking your child because then you're giving the child the opportunity to think that my parent is not in the same level like I am be friends with your children grow up with them you know, one one thing uh, we we discuss early that, that within this society everybody talks about sometimes how children are becoming parents, how are yes. young. But you know, w- within um, with, within Islam, the, the the marriage is actually encouraged at an early age mm-hmm. in the sense of um, I'm, I'm talking if one was to kind of make that application in today's day and age people graduate when they're 21 they you get a couple of years of experience in the world and then we hit 23 24 you get married 24 25 you know is that kind of age because you you are able to kind of and if you have children at a young age you're able to grow with them exactly you know it's 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 and and uh, um, you you will have more of an understanding of what is your surroundings are. You will have more of um, um, a, a better link um, with with your children as they are growing. Um, the the results of some of these situations that we're talking about can cause tendency towards substance abuse disorders, early pregnancies, premature independence, dropping out of school. I mean, I'm going back to what we were talking about earlier. Where you know, as you mentioned, so social media, a lot mm. of people. One of the the negative sides of of all of these things is children who don't tend to get the support they need, or don't find a correct and uh, and a suitable influencer on social media. It can lead them towards um, self harm. They can go depression, anxiety, stress, tension. Some of these modern day ailments. Um, and the reason I say modern day is because the amount, the number of people who are being diagnosed with all of these these uh, uh, these challenges has gone up you know absolutely crazily you know Rashid one once I asked my father you called me Sharif earlier no, now you call me Rashid uh, Kayum, my name is Kayum, 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 Kayum you're listening to the voice of Islam yeah. with myself Kayum uh, and brother Shahil who is the guardian of the galaxy and yes. we are talking about uh, influencing <laughs> influences of family on behavior of their children. So I remember when I was 10, maybe 10. So I even remember the moment we were in uh, Calais going to UK and I saw a person who was wearing a football kit of Ronaldo and I asked my father that I want to be have a football kit as well of Ronaldo because he was one of my favorite players. Juventus at that time, I probably presume. He was wearing the Brazil, Brazil kit, so the national kit. But I never thought he never played for. Oh, Ronaldo. you mean okay? You mean Fenomeno. Ronaldo? Yeah, mean yeah, Fenomeno. Ronaldo okay. R nine, yeah, the yeah. Brazilian one. Okay, okay, okay. I was ten, so, and uh, um, I, th- I asked my father, I want to have his kit as well, like, and my father said, you know, um, he said to me that I'm not going to buy your football kit. 
the reason is that I don't want you to have a name of someone else on your back. I don't want you to be like him. I don't want you to be follow him. Yeah, he said, go watch how they play football. Take benefit, don't learn their skills, but don't be like them. He said, make your own name, yes. Go see the world, see how the world works, and be a part of it, and then tell the people how to become a part of that, but in a good way. I don't want you to be become like him only because he scores goals and makes money. He said, he said, simple thing is, and then he gave the example that we're going to UK, you're going to see Hazur. Why not having his name on, on, on your shirt or, or on your uh, uh, on your chest? Why not asking him for an autograph? Why not taking a picture with him? He said, these are the people who are taking good, are good for you, for for your society. So take benefit from them who can help you and can lead you as well. So this is how he actually explained me not to be influenced by these people. Now we have social media. Now we have these celebrities on social media. They call them a celebrity as well. YouTube, etc., TikTok, whatever. And we need to tell them that don't be like them. Yes, don't uh, follow them. Don't use their names, etc. If you want to learn from someone, then you have better people you can follow, who can lead you and who actually taking care of you as well. His Holiness has mentioned that he, he prayed for us, for us. So we know that he is actually really taking care of us. These are the persons we, know to, we should look forward. Well, true to your father's words, you have made a name for yourself. You are Shahil Munir on, yeah. Bruce, on, on Voice of Islam Breakfast Show on the 1st of December, listening to Thursday morning. What should I say? Listening to Thursday morning Breakfast Show on Voice of Islam with <laughs> Shahil Munir. Yeah, I never tried to make a name, to be honest. No, no, but you know what I mean. I'm, yeah, I'm, no. just, I, I'm I know, just, know. just, just, just trying to jest with you, youngsters. Let's go and listen to. Let's go and listen to uh, our, our. We had the opportunity to interview our next guest, um, um, who is uh, um, um, Charis Lauren Waman, who is an assistant professor of special education and board certified behavior analyst. Um, her research focuses on training early childhood teachers on evidence based practices within the framework of positive behavior supports um, which is PBS and it supports young children's social and emotional development. She examines the experiences of families whose children have significant social and emotional needs. Her research aims to understand the contextual factors that hinder or enhance a child's social and emotional development while improving the quality of school-based intervention services for young children and the relationship between schools and families. Her empirical and practitioner-orientated work has been published in journals such as Remedial and Special Education, Children and Youth Services Review, Education and Treatment of Children, Topics in Early Childhood Special Education, Psychology in the Schools, Early Childhood Education Journal, and Young Children, Young and Exceptional Children. Let's go and listen to what uh, Charis Warman um, had uh, to say on this topic. Assalamu alaikum, peace be with you, and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate uh, an opportunity to have a conversation. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. um, so what would you consider the emotional needs that children requi require, and by what means should they be met? This is a great question. Children need to feel safe and nurtured. They need the ability to be able to express and regulate their emotions um, and explore and learn all in the cultural context of their family and their community. Um, the pandemic has really disrupted all of our uh, sense of predictability and expectation. So having specific routines in a home across environments 
uh, particularly for dinner time, religious activities, bath routine, um, those are really all helpful in helping children know what to expect and to feel very uh, secure within um, their home context. And these routines also should uh, be present in their school day as well. There should be lunch routines, there should be uh, routines around um, activities uh, where they uh, engage in play opportunities with peers. Um, and particularly important is that children need to have secure and trusting relationships with their caregivers, their teachers. Um, if that's not possible, other family members, they can develop secure and trusting relationships with them and uh, community members that uh, can also stand in um, proxy to help uh, children really uh, feel um, safe and secure. And these relationships might occur organically, which um, is uh, really helpful as well. Um, focusing on exploring and allowing children to learn in their environment, it's important that children get out in the community and are able to explore and meet other people from different uh, backgrounds and cultures. This helps to teach them that the world um, is a safe place and that um, people at the very core of our existence, we may have differences um, on, on a very surface level, but on a very deep level, we're all quite uh, similar in our experiences and how we um, live in this world. Thank you. So what kinds of psychological signs do children who have identified social and emotional needs present? And how do these present and how do these translate into their school life? Well, one important thing to understand is that behavior is how children communicate their needs. Um, it's also how adults communicate their needs as well. And there are two ways that children can communicate their needs and how they're feeling. And that's primarily with externalizing behavior, so hitting, kicking, biting, um, destroying materials or property, screaming or yelling, um, eloping or escaping from an environment. Um, what's um, important to highlight, though, that these behaviors are developmentally appropriate for children who are um, age two and maybe uh, age three. So we expect to see these behaviors uh, in young children, and that's totally fine. But by the time a child is school age, four or five years of age, even six, if they're still engaging in high rates of externalizing behaviors, then that's when um, it might be flagged as a problem and we might need to teach um, the children uh, more appropriate ways uh, within the context of their uh, cultural community to be able to communicate their needs and wants. So that might be um, teaching them how to request help or teaching them how to um, uh, share a toy or even wait for a turn to uh, share a toy. Oftentimes, children love to request an opportunity to get a toy, but they may not necessarily want to wait. And so teaching children how to be how to tolerate a delay and wait is a critical skill as well. And we want children to have opportunities to practice these skills at home as well as in the school environment because practice makes perfect. And as they have opportunities to practice these skills, they develop fluency um, and they begin to show that they have these skills automatically, which is really great. Um, and these skills are important because um, we know that social emotional development is key for academic outcomes because a lot of the skills uh, that children learn socially and emotionally help support their academic learning, such as being able to follow directions and listen attentively and, um, and waiting as well. And those are all skills that are required for children to be successful academically. 
Um, the other important thing is to look for children who are showing internalizing behaviors. And we often see these in our little girls. And because they're quiet um, with uh, with internalizing behaviors and they're off to the side, they can often be overlooked, right? We normally look at the behaviors um, that are much more aggressive and are responsive to those behaviors. But we need to welcome <clears throat> children. We need to be attentive to children who are showing internalizing behaviors as well, such as being um, withdrawn or seeming really sad or anxious or overly fearful than what would be considered developmentally typical. Um, those children we need to be responsive to as well. Um, so you might be wondering, well, if a child is, how do I know when a child who is five or six is doing too much hitting, kicking, or destroying materials, et cetera? How do I know that when that becomes a problem? Well, it becomes a problem if it disrupts their academic learning, if they're not able to attend um, to instruction, if they're not able to follow directions, if it disrupts their relationships, they're not able to bond with other children or other with their caregivers or their teachers. So the point that it begins to disrupt their quality of life as a young child, that's when um, you might want to have a professional step in and um, provide some assistance. One final point is that um, children um, can also act out in, with sexual behaviors or extreme physical violence. When they do that, we need to pay attention because that might indicate that they may have been abused or exposed to some abuse, maybe someone in their home, um, they've observed abuse. Um, and so uh, they're acting out what's been modeled for them and they are likely to carry those behaviors into a school setting. And so um, we need to uh, be attentive to those behaviors as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing how it affects children's education. So yeah. you've researched active teaching approaches that promote young children's agency in the classroom. What were your findings on the best way to help those who present bad behavior and non-compliance to school rules? That's a really great question. Um, so there are a number of evidence-based practices that have been identified in um, the field of early childhood and special education, as well as in my own work. And um, the first thing that we want to make sure is that if children aren't following the rules, we need to make sure that the rules are meaningful to them. Um, so one thing that we recommend in school is to have children be involved in helping to create the rules. Now, obviously, <laughs> children might come up with something like, oh, we want to have ice cream every day. Can that be a rule? <laughs> well, you know, we want um, to help support them in identifying what's actually practical for a school context or even the home context. You can develop rules in the home. And so what I would do is select three or four or five rules that you as an adult would think would be appropriate for children to follow. And then you can have kids select the rules out of that list that you have compiled. Um, so they need to be involved in um, developing the rules, identifying the rules. And you wanna keep the rules short, like no more than three rules for a three-year-old or a four-year-old, I think is appropriate. Um, and then um, you wanna state the rules positively because as soon as you say, no running or no hitting, what the child hears is running, hitting, and that's the behavior that you're going to see. So you might want to say something like, oh, you know, in a school context, we use our walking feet or we, you, we, um, you know, we walk like a snail or we move our legs like a snail or something like that. So they get the idea that we walk slowly, you know, we don't run in a school context because we want to keep everyone safe, including ourselves safe. Um, so 
the first point is make sure that children are involved in the creation of rules, state them positively. And then you want kids, part of them being involved in creating the rules and expectations is that they get to feel like the school community is their community too. You want to give them some ownership. Even young children, believe it or not, understand when they are a part of a classroom or they're a part of a school. So give them ownership. Um, have them feel part of the school community, bring their families in, have the families feel part of the school community as well, engage them in activities, allow them to come into the classroom and observe, um, you know, uh, call home about something good that the uh, child has done. Um, and you're more likely to get buy-in from the children um, and active participation when they feel part of the school community. So once you've done those strategies as kind of like a tier, a, a bottom layer or baseline layer of support, then you might want to um, add in some more targeted strategies like um, using stories. Uh, so you might create stories about um, rules. Um, and you want to have pictures of the children actually following the rules and using their snail feet or their alligator feet to walk you know, slowly in the, around the classroom and around the school. And because when children get to see themselves doing well, that really helps to build their self-efficacy as well as their self-esteem. Um, we really want to develop children as independent learners um, because as adults, we all want to be independent, right? And so that's really the goal, to teach these skills um, in very explicit and discreet ways um, so, and provide them with the support to learn these skills to where they eventually um, can be independent and follow um, rules, societal rules and expectations without um, oversight from um, adults. Also role playing, modeling, and providing children with positive feedback when they um, have been compliant, I think is uh, the literature uh, even in my own work, we, I found that to be really helpful. So role playing is simply if you have a list of rules um, in a classroom around, you know, lunchtime, what children should do first, second, and third, before lunchtime, you might read a story about what do we do during lunchtime? What, what are the cultural practices around sharing a meal or having a meal with my friends or even caregivers. So you highlight that in the story, and then you might pretend to do that before it's actually time to have a meal. And that way children kind of get to practice and anticipate, okay, this is what I need to do. This is what is expected of me. And then when they actually enter into that setting, that meal time um, or that cultural practice, they engage in appropriate behaviors and, hey, then they get some positive feedback, whether it's a high five or a hug or a good job. That was really awesome. I loved how you, um, you know, you passed the, the rice or the beans to, um, you know, to, to your friend really nicely. That, that's great. Um, and you want to identify what that feedback might look for your own um, community. But generally, most children respond to um, positive uh, words of uh, support from, from adults. Those are some great tips on how to give children that sense of autonomy, that, that element of choice. Thank you so much. Um, it was lovely to have you on, and we'd love to speak to you again in the future. I would love to speak with you all again as well. The Alive, the one who is eternally living. Allah is he beside whom there is no God, the living, the self-subsisting, and all-sustaining. 
In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to The Breakfast Show. You're listening to Voice of Islam Radio, broadcasting from the biggest mosque here in UK. And you just listened to Cheris Waman, uh, who just explained us ways or, yes, basically ways or guided us how to be or how to look after our children, especially in this environment. Dear listeners, if you think there are more advices you can give as well, be part of the show. You can call it at any time at 020-868-7787 or you can tweet it by at Voice of Islam UK. Let us know. Um, I'm sure it will be very helpful for our listeners as well. Um, as Guillaume just mentioned, I'm still young. I'm from the uh, younger section. And he told me that, jokingly, that I'm part of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, this reminds me that we're living in a time where basically every second movie is a movie about a superhero. Uh, we have the Marvels, we have the DC movies, and we see those people flying around, um, beating up those bad guys, winning in the end, and somehow they are considered as superheroes, even here, even though they are only superheroes behind the cameras, but also in the real life, children are start considering them as real superheroes. And I remember when I was a child, I would also look after the celebrities and would say, oh, look at him, how he's doing these uh, stunts, etc. And later on, I realized it's all fake. But that kind, that those things, that thinking influenced me as well until I realized that the only superhero I have is my father or my mother. Those two people who actually helped me, shaped me, who looked after me when I was a child, when I was nine months in the belly of my mother when she looked after me during that time as well. And then after that, um, when I was born, how they helped me to different uh, situations, to different stages. And so I think we as parents, we should make sure that our children should realize that the only superhero they should look after are we, and we should become the superheroes as well. Um, if someone of the, from the younger section is listening right now, remember that it is your parents who gave you all these environments, all these um, possibilities to be whatever you are right now. So... Living in this day and age with all these different characters we have right now, don't get so influenced by them. The only influence you need is from your parents, and I'm sure they want to give you the best environment, best influence. Um, this reminds me that um, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, uh, he was once playing with his grandson, and he was kissing his cheek as well. And suddenly someone was sitting very close to the Holy Prophet, and he saw that, that he kissed his cheek. And he said that, that person said, I have 11 children or maybe 10, I can't remember exactly. And he said, never kiss one of them. And the Holy Prophet he became very sad to hear that. And he said that if you don't show mercy to someone, then Allah won't show mercy to yourself. So this is one way to show mercy to your children, to be, to show them the love and compassion they basically need. We need to be there for our children. We need to be friends of our children. We need to be the best friends for our children so they that they know that the only person we need right now are our parents and that they don't look for someone else. The, listener, the Prophet of Islam, be peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, established an excellent education system 
so through which the intellectual standards of the society were raised. Now, literate and well-educated people were instructed to teach the illiterate. Special measures were put in place to provide education to orphans and other vulnerable members of society. This was well done so that we, the weak and powerless could stand on their own two feet and at once. This is what his holiness, the Mayalabi Salpa, said during the address at UNESCO. So, I'm, the reason I just mentioned this quote is because it's all about education as well. Our children, they need to be educated. They need to be told that even though you have social media on your phone, or maybe maybe you want to use social media, and then use social media in a good way, but don't get influenced by these all these people. I I've seen those videos on YouTube sometimes. I'll see that someone is making a video. In the end, he's asking to follow him, uh, to leave a like, to uh, to leave some comments, and then telling him to watch his other movie, uh, videos as well, and not telling, but basically. Yes, basically, order them to. You need to watch my next video. You need to um, leave up with there, etc. And you see that they are basically so much. Um, they just how they much they want our the likes from us, and this is how our children but then get influenced by these people as well, who are basically not there to help them, not there because they like them. It is basically only to make them more famous. And this is. Why I think that education is important, so the children know from the beginning why it is important not to get influenced by these people, and that we need to influence them. We need to be friend of them. Um, Brother Kyum just mentioned he's playing still FIFA with his son, so he can be his friend as well. He can take some can take some time uh, time out with him as uh, with him as well, be a part of his life as well. And this is basically how you become basically. A good influencer for your son, but also a good friend of your son or for your daughter, so they know. Okay, we don't need social media. We don't need those influencers. The only people we know we need is our parents. This is why, and this is very amazing. The Holy Prophet peace be upon him has said that if you are looking for paradise, then go and look at under the feet of your mother. Basically, telling that f listen to your mother, um, helping her, looking after her. So you can be part of her, or she can be part of you, and both of you can, or that you can be influenced by her. So, even though wherever you go, if you look at the Islamic teachings, Islam has always said and has always told us that is our parents who are the biggest influence, or should be the biggest influence of our life. The first two people who came into our life and would do everything for our life and still are ready to do everything for our life. Even when we are grown up, in the end, we are still the child of our parents, meaning that we still influence by them and that we need them. And this is, I think, the best, biggest superhero we have right now are our parents. And we should make good benefit from that as well. We should take a lot of benefit from that. Um, it is the always um, responsibilities of the parents that for the good upbringing for the child. Dear parents, make sure that if you're giving your son or your daughter a mobile, that they make good use of it. That they don't waste their time on social media, on those stupid things on social media. Social media can be very beneficial as well. But they don't waste their time on those stupid things. And that they get a good opportunity to learn uh, through social media as well and that you the parents become the biggest influencer for in their lives dear listeners we have reached the end of the show thank you 
to all of our listeners and to our experts as well. Thank you to Zishan, who's sitting next room, helping me through the technology stuff as well. And thank you to our producers, Halima Ahmed and Saleh Ahmed. And of course, to our researchers, Kanta, Waki, Barira, Kafia, Saleh, Halima. Dear listeners, if you like the show, you can listen to it again on SoundCloud. If you want to learn more, uh, stay tuned with your Voice of Islam radio, or you can turn on tomorrow in the same time. Peace and blessings of Allah be with you.